Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. There's uh, something that I've uh, observed uh, as I've got older uh, about the process of growing up. Uh, and it's something that happened uh, that I noticed when I entered adulthood, uh, and it's something that I noticed when I became a pastor, uh, and it's something that I noticed when I became uh, a parent, and it's, it's this. No one really has any idea what they're doing. I'm uh, 30 now, uh, and uh, basically any way of looking at it, I am a grown-up. I have reached that point. I am an adult. Uh, and I really thought that at some point along this journey kind of everything would just fall into place. You know, I'd know how everything worked and I'd be confident in navigating through the, the difficult uh, questions and, and struggles uh, and decisions of life. I definitely thought that I would reach that point before I became a dad because it always seemed to me like dads and, and adults and grown-ups knew what they were doing. But, but now that I'm here myself, I realize that we're all just guessing. None of us really know what we're, maybe it's just me, maybe this is just my personal realization, but it seems to me that none of us really know what we're doing for certain, you know, with complete confidence when it comes to the big stuff. As life gets more complicated, it seems, if anything, there are fewer answers and more questions. And I'm increasingly discovering that maturity isn't about uh, having all the answers, uh, but it's about having the wisdom to decide which direction to try and go in order to find some answers along the way. And wisdom, I think, has far less to do with, with certainty, you know, with knowing for sure what we're doing knowing for sure the right way to go, and much more to do with trust. It's deciding really who or what is going to, to be our guide, who we're going to follow, who has the idea, the right idea, the best idea of which way to go. You know, and people, we, you and I, we follow all sorts of guides all the time, don't we? We are each of us looking for and longing for a guide who can, who can confidently and, and trustworthily show us the right way to go. And, and some of us choose culture as a guide. You know, some of us choose various people and philosophies that are out there in the world to guide us and tell us the right path to take. Even more of us look inside and, and look for a guide within us that we can trust to lead the way. And in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all of our searching, God offers us an alternative. God offers us himself. And so this morning, I'd like to think together with you about which guide you and I can trust, who it is that we should follow, and how we can know which way to go. 
Ultimately, the, the question that I want us to think about this morning is who it is who has the best vision and the, the best plan for our lives. You know, who, if given the raw materials of your life, will handle them with the most love and care and wisdom? Who will, who will shape and form them into all that they could be and are meant to be? Who will lead us into wholeness and flourishing and joy? And therefore, in whom we can put our faith. Because as Alyssa said, we're continuing this morning our our series looking at these basic characteristics of, of the Christian, of Christian living, which we see throughout the New Testament, faith, hope, and love, and, and we're beginning that kind of uh, journey through those three characteristics. We had a kind of a, a start to the last week, and we're, we're thinking this week about faith. And right from the beginning, I just want us to, to be really clear about what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Because it's a word that has all sorts of layered meanings, all sorts of baggage that we bring to it. Because often when we use that word when we talk about faith and particularly when we talk about faith in in a setting like this when we talk about faith in church what we mean is belief you know we're talking about mentally agreeing with a series of of doctrinal positions and statements you know we're we're talking about believing things like that Jesus is God and that he died for our sins and that he was raised from death to life as Lord and Saviour. And that's, that's all correct. That's right. That is faith. Faith is belief. Christian faith is believing those things. But faith is more than that. Faith isn't just mental assent. Because another way that we could think about faith is as, as, is as the outworking of belief. Which is to say we can think about faith as trust. And I think trust is a, is a really helpful way of, of thinking about faith. Actually, over the last couple of years, I, I kind of always switch those words in my mind because I find trust a much more helpful way of thinking about uh, what the Bible talks about when it talks about faith. Because trust involves a lot more than just intellectual agreement, doesn't it? I trust my wife and when I say that I trust Steph I'm not just saying that I believe that she exists I really do Um, that is part of what that means I suppose but but really when I say that I trust in Steph what I'm saying is that I lean on her in my struggles because I trust that she's dependable and I follow her when when she leads because I I trust that she's wise and I, I listen to her when she advises me because because she knows more than I do about so many things and I I believe her when she tells me what is true because I trust that she's got a perspective that I don't have and it's that sort of trust trust as we use it every day trust is what is meant to define you and I uh, as Christians what it means to be a Christian and to live a Christian life You and I are invited to trust God, to trust in his vision for our lives, to follow in the way that he leads us, that he says that we should go because we trust that he's good and that he knows where he's going. And so trusting him means listening to his voice over and above all the other voices that we could choose 
to listen to. And in these verses from 1 Peter, Peter unpacks for us what that sort of trust will look like. It looks like uh, what it looks like to, to live a life in which we listen to and follow the God in whom we have placed our faith. And that's, we see that, I think, particularly clearly, uh, clearly from verse 14 through to uh, verse 16. So let's just take a moment to understand and unpack those verses together. And let's begin with verses 15 and 16. Say this, Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. To be holy, it's another very churchy word, isn't it? To be holy means to be set apart, to be dedicated, to be chosen for a particular purpose. And that's a purpose that is separated from sin and evil and death. Those things that the Bible says have marred our world. And instead of being dedicated to those things, being set apart and dedicated to what is good and pure and lovely and admirable. To be dedicated, in other words, and devoted to God. To be like God. And Peter then goes on, in fact, he's come from telling us how we can be holy. It's back in verse 14. He says this, he says, Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. To conform means to to fit into a mold and to allow yourself to be shaped by something else. We all inevitably do it in good ways and and bad. It's it's just fitting into another pattern. And and the time of ignorance that Peter is talking about at the end of that verse is is the time in his hearers' lives and in our lives uh, before we came to faith in Jesus Christ and before that saving faith uh, saw God's spirit fill us and begin to transform us from the inside out when Peter says we still lived unholy lives because we didn't know any better we hadn't been transformed yet we were still living in ignorance and he's saying that we shouldn't allow ourselves to slip back into that pattern of life. We shouldn't allow ourselves to once again be shaped and formed by our desires and passions that used to rule us before God started to change us. Because it seems from what Peter is saying, and I'm sure this will be familiar to us all, that, that the people that, that he was writing to were feeling these things deeply in their hearts. Desires, passions, these are strong Words And these strong desires were at work within the people that Peter was writing to. And if they were anything uh, like you and like me, those lists of desires and passions would have been a a real mix of good things and bad things and, and complicated things. You know, relationships and success and comfort and meaning, these things that we long for, that shape us as we desire for them, all of them, many of them, good things but but Peter says that we shouldn't allow these things 
to guide us, to shape us, to show us the way to go. More specifically, Peter says we shouldn't allow our desire for those things to form us. Our hearts are longing to show us the way to go. And maybe that's a little bit uh, abstract. So maybe I can rephrase it uh, in a way that we might talk uh, today. Uh, and I'm, I'm really sorry uh, and I'm a little bit nervous because, because I think some of you are really not going to be very happy with what I'm about to say. And you're maybe not going to be very happy with me for even saying it. But this is what I think Peter is saying. Here it is. You shouldn't follow your heart. Following your heart is not a good idea. Now, some of you are really uncomfortable right now. And that's because what I've just said is, is the exact opposite. It's the, it's the antithesis of the spirit and the wisdom of the culture that we live in, which is the air that we breathe, which is telling us what it thinks is the right and good and wise way to live, what it thinks is the trustworthy thing to follow, which is our, is our hearts and our desires. And, and to see that, we need to understand and glimpse into uh, the narratives that our culture is shaped by. So let's have a think about Disney. Uh, Disney is just one example that we could have chosen out of many uh, of the alternative vision for life of the world that we live in. But it's a, it's a good one. It's a popular one. It's a one I, I, I love. I love a lot of what Disney does. And I love particularly the movie Moana. Let's take Moana as a, an example. Moana is an objectively excellent movie. Uh, and you should really watch it and then sing all of its songs all the time. Because it is uh, wonderful. I'm a little bit obsessed with it. And if you haven't watched it yet, go and watch it. Not now, in a little bit. Go and watch it. Uh, but just to really quickly catch you up, it's, it's the story about a, a girl called Moana, who's the daughter of, of the village chief on a Polynesian island. And what we learn about Moana is that she is expected to grow up and fill a particular role. She's expected to grow up and become the leader of her people. That's what her community expects for her to do. But what she really wants to do, what she longs for and desires in her heart, is to go out and explore the world. And so one of the opening songs, uh, you listen to Moana wrestling with this conflict between her, her community and her desires. And, and she says this, I know everybody on this island has a role on this island. So maybe I can roll with mine. I can lead with pride. I can make us strong. I'll be satisfied if I play along. But the voice inside sings a different song. What is wrong with me? didn't think you were expecting a dramatic reading of Moana this morning, but here we go. Uh, eventually, Moana decides to, to follow her heart rather than the expectations of her community. And through a challenging journey, she comes to the place of realizing who she really is, what is most true about her, and the way that she should go in the future. And she sings this, I'm the daughter of the village chief. We are descended from voyages who found their way across the world, they call me. But the call isn't out there at all. It's inside me. 
And come what may, I know the way. I am Moana. So good. Moana finds her truth, and it was in her heart all along. And this is the narrative that is deep in our cultural bones. And as a result, it's deep inside us as well. It's the food that we're digesting. You are who you are deep on the inside. Your feelings are what is most true about you. What you long for is what is most important and is the way that you should go. But Peter says that if we are going to be holy, if we're going to be dedicated to God, if we're going to be different, if we're going to be like God as we trust God to be the good guide of our lives, then that isn't the way to go. We should not conform to the desires of our hearts because our hearts will lead us astray. All too often they don't take us down wise paths towards freedom, but they lead us straight into slavery to ourselves and to our appetites. Elsewhere, the Bible puts the problem in a different way. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. Mark 7, 21, for from within, out of a person's heart comes evil thoughts. But you know what? I think we know this intrinsically as well. Because all of us, haven't we? We have, we have longed for things truly and deeply that we know if we got them would ultimately destroy us. It wouldn't be good for us. You know, maybe for you it was a toxic relationship that your heart kept on going back to, even though it broke you. Maybe it was a decision that, that you almost felt like you couldn't help but make, you wanted to make, even though you knew it was a bad decision. And maybe it was that drink, that food, that website, that purchase that felt so good but was the start down a dark path. You know, our hearts are wonderful, wonderful things that were made by God and God has made them for joy and love and fulfillment. But our problem is our hearts have been broken and distorted by sin. And so they lead us astray just as often, if not more, than they lead us down right paths. They're not reliable guides. But do you know who is a good guide? Do you know who won't let you down but will lead you beside quiet waters and restore your soul? Do you know who has a light burden and an easy yoke? Say it with me. Jesus. Jesus knows the way to go and we can trust him to guide us. And that, that is holiness. That's not conforming to our former desires or to the world or to anything else. It's trust, trusting in Jesus. It's following him and it's utterly radical. It's a totally different way of living than the way of our world. But if we're right about Jesus, 
it's also a better way of living because he knows the way better than we do. And so you and I, if, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, we need to ask ourselves some difficult questions. Does the call of God on your life always look like something that you want to do? Does God always agree with our plans for how we should live and act? Do the demands of God on me ever make me uncomfortable? Because if they don't, it might not be God that you're following, but your own heart dressed up with religious language. So instead, what can we do? How can we listen to God? What does it look like to trust him and follow him and and let me just say now I'm not going to completely answer this question because this is the game this is what we're here about as people of faith a community of trust this is who we are longing to be and to become people who follow Jesus but what can we do this week can I just offer a few quick suggestions because we need to be people who hear the voice of Jesus and observe the life of Jesus so that we can follow in the way of Jesus by the power of his spirit. And so here's some, perhaps some practical ways that we, you and I, could do that this week. My first suggestion uh, comes from the young people of our church, and I've shared it before, but, but its simplicity and profundity has stuck with me ever since I first heard it a couple of years ago. Because I remember Dan, our youth pastor, uh, telling me about a youth small group that they were going to start up, uh, in which they were going to read the Gospels and listen to what Jesus said, and then assume that he actually meant it, uh, and go and live as Jesus said it's so simple but it's so radical and it's what trust looks like and maybe this week you could even right now text someone and say would you read the sermon of the mount with me this week and let's read it a little bit at a time even if we don't make it that far and see what Jesus says and then actually go and do it and challenge one another to stay accountable to what he said as we trust him The second is a thing that you could perhaps do this week if you're not coming to our Lent course and some of the videos are up on uh, on our YouTube channel. Perhaps you want to go back and and watch some of those and process some of what we're thinking about because we're trying to learn from Jesus this Lent about the way that he lived, to learn his lifestyle so that we can live his life. And so you might find some of those habits we're thinking about helpful. And the third is just a a commitment, a commitment to pray. At some point each day this week, a simple prayer like this, God, how do you want to use me in this situation? And then to trust that if God prompts you towards something, then it's good. It's the way to go and we can trust his lead. 
And my wife is so much better at doing that than I am. And, and she can tell stories of, of just simple and profound conversations on trains and, and opportunities to be generous to strangers and, and timely messages that she sent to friends in which, through small acts, she has seen God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven as she allows God to guide her. It's a choice to trust. It could look like something small like that, or perhaps as I'm speaking, God's Spirit is prompting you on what it would look like for you. But this is all so easily said and so hard to do. You know, we're swimming upstream in a culture that lives so differently, and so we need the power of God's Spirit at work within us to help us to trust. And so as perhaps now we take some time to reflect on what God could be calling to do, us to do this week, I'd love to pray for you. And I'd love to pray that God would give you power to trust him, to follow in the way that he goes as we become and live as people of faith. So why don't we pray together? Lord Jesus, we pray again, come Holy Spirit. God, I ask for each of my brothers and sisters who are listening to me now who, who feel a prompt in their spirit, in their mind, in their heart to trust you afresh, who you're nagging at and, and just prompting to turn to you. God, would you fill them now with your Holy Spirit? And God, trust is so easy to say but so difficult to do. But God, we want to be people who trust that you are a good guide, that you're leading us down good paths towards life and wholeness and fullness. So God, would you give us your spirit now and enable us to, to listen to your voice over and above even our own hearts. God, would we long more for what you say is good than our hearts say is good. So come, Holy Spirit, fill us now and enable us to be more like Jesus.